0: Welcome to The Parental Compass by Family Education and Support Services. I'm Bobby Williams. You know the drill if you listen to the show regularly. Leave us a review, subscribe to the show, tell a friend, much appreciation. Screen time is a tough issue because there aren't always clear cut answers. How much screen time is healthy? How do I keep my children safe? What are they watching on TikTok? there is tablets cell phones smart watches tvs uh you know even some refrigerators have online capabilities let's talk with the expert emily churkin emily has a master's in education is a former middle school teacher and is now the screen time consultant She does parenting coaching, gives presentations, and is the author of Becoming the Tech Intentional Parent. To learn more about Emily's work and to sign up for her mailing list, go to thescreentimeconsultant.com. Let's start the show.
1: as adults, theoretically, we can uh, self-regulate, manage our screen time a little better, although many of us struggle with that. Yeah,
0: theoretically. Mm-hmm.
1: Theoretically, we have fully formed brains, but it's very different for children. And you know, I always say I'm not anti-tech, I'm tech intentional. I really think a little bit is fine and a lot is too much. And what that means for each child, family, parent, person really varies.
0: Is all screen time created equal? Like I assume me, writing a a grant or something is different than being on social media.
1: Exactly. No, you're totally right. I always say not all screen time is created equal. You know, I get a lot of, um, especially parents of really young children, a lot of families, for example, who had babies during the pandemic and maybe were separated from their families. They were like, well, that was the only way I could introduce the baby to grandma was over FaceTime. Of course, that's fine. Right. I always see that as a tool to maintain an existing relationship. But it's a really different thing than plopping a two-year-old down with an iPad for six hours, right? There's a real big difference. And even the, it's not even just the time, right? It's also the content. So, you know, sure, watching a video about NASA is really different than scrolling through TikTok videos in terms of what it's doing to our brain. And is it bad to sometimes scroll through social media? No, I mean, again, adults know it's sometimes what we do to sort of escape as long as we're aware (laughs) that it's hard to stop and that it's different hard for children
0: Mm -hmm. the argument I think a lot of young people would have is like well social media keeps me connected with my friends or that's how I kind of hang out with them so let me do it
1: I hear that all the time and I will be the first to say I totally empathize with young people. I think they've been put between a really a really they've been put in a really difficult spot where that is now the way in which kids communicate. I totally see that and believe it. On the other hand, I think until we have um companies that prioritize children's well-being and mental health over profit, they're just not going to be a safe way to do that. And and so again, it's this, are there kids who can manage their own social media use and be fine? Yeah, there are. But I've heard enough stories that for me as a parent, I mean, I certainly warrant caution. It warrants caution and that, you know, parents need to be involved in that process. And, you know, I think a 16 or a 17 year old with a good head on their shoulders can manage it with parental and adult guidance However, that's not really what we're seeing, right? We're seeing really young children on social media platforms far before even the law says 13 and up. (laughs) And we know there are 10-year-olds on TikTok. And so, you know, that to me, if a parent is allowing that or that's happening in the house, parents have to be engaged and understand what's going on and have that conversation with their kids.
0: Well, you hear about all these studies about social media correlating with depression um but then there's other people that have like here's our alternate study that says no it doesn't do you have any opinion about all that
1: yeah i mean i
0: maybe the alternate so, study is funded by facebook or something well I thank
1: you yeah, uh-huh, that's yeah. A really, yeah a really good point is to look at where the where the funding source is because there is a lot of industry-funded science that tries to justify it There are a lot of the things I hear too from the tech industry itself is like, well, this is a parenting problem. They put a lot of blame on parents to figure this out and manage it. And, you know, to me, that's totally ridiculous and unfair. It's a David and Goliath in that situation. And I always say to parents, like, look, it's not your fault that it is this way, but it is your job. Like, we have to address this. And you have to know that when you're fighting with your kid, whether that kid is six or 16, you're not fighting with your child as a person, you're fighting with a hijacked neural pathway that because of the way these products and games and apps are designed, they are designed to hold our attention for longer and keep us on longer. Because again, they're designed with profit, not protective factors in mind. And so, you know, for parents, it really, I always say, it's not a fair fight, but it's a fight worth having. And you know, I I don't want parents hearing this to say, okay, well, we're going to cancel all screen time. I'm taking away your phone. That will not work, right? We have to do this in the context of a relationship with our kids. So it starts with conversation.
0: Yeah, I was thinking, I my friend was telling me this story about how he put up parental controls for a seven-year-old on RoboBlox, you know, that game.
1: Roblox, yes. Roblox,
0: okay, shows what I know, Roblox. (laughs) And, um, so she went through this elaborate process of like getting the family email and sending something there and you know all within a half hour before he even woke up she was already back on roblox again and no parental control so it seems just like there is no such thing as a parental control like if a seven-year-old can figure it out yeah
1: I, I mean, I'm glad to hear you say that too because, I mean, I'm sorry it happened, but it's every single parent I talk to tells me that their kid found the workaround or parental controls have become a full-time job for a parent, right? And you're you're sold this message that like, if you just have these controls, your kid will be safe. Well, that's totally false. And again, the burden is on parents rather than the tech companies to design the products to be safe for children. It's on the parents to manage it. And I have... I, I mean, I say this slightly facetiously. I don't recommend parental controls because, in general, this is what I hear. And it's a a false sense of security. That being said, I think if you already have some that work, if you feel like it is a benefit, great. But it is only one tool in the toolbox. Parents absolutely have to be in conversation with their kids. And, you know, Roblox is a real slippery slope. I hear about this one all the time. It's actually not one game, it's a, place where people can design games and put them out for other people to try out. Some of them are fine. Some of them are awful. And there are lots of sketchy things within the games that Roblox can't really monitor or manage. I mean, there's millions of games on there, right? So it's it's hugely problematic, even with the best intention to parents and parental controls.
0: yeah. Well, so it seems like you have to get buy in from the child and it's about the relationship. I think oftentimes we can fall into this feeling of like, okay, my relationship with my child is what it is and this is where we're at. But relationships can change over time too.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I, what I always say is it's the parents of kids under 10 who need me and the parents of kids over 10 who find me and that's so hard because it is much more difficult to manage this and build this relationship around screen time when the kids are already in, you know, puberty. If we can start this earlier, that's ideal, right? We want to go that preventative approach. But I also don't think it's ever too late. And, you know, one thing I think it's important for parents to understand is that it is developmentally normal for tweens and teens to not like what you say. To rebel against your rules, to want to have a sassy comeback, right? That is not new. That is historically, developmentally relevant and and appropriate. The problem for parents is not taking it personally and recognizing, okay, this is my child being a tween or teen. I'm going to ignore that part of it and let's try to dig a little deeper. Because usually it's the tip of an iceberg, right? It's not. If the kid is angry or upset about something, it's not the insult they're tossing at you that, that's really the issue. There's something else going on. And what we really want is our kids to come to us and say, yeah, I hate this rule, but here's why. Because when I go to school, everybody's talking about what they saw on TikTok and I feel left out. And then we have to have that conversation. Ooh, I hear you. Let's let me validate the fact that you feel that way. And then let's try to problem solve together. And I think a lot of times, Well, all the time. I mean, kids know their parents don't like what they're doing on screens, right? Like often it's an immediately defensive reaction. And again, that's normal. Teens and tweens need three things, autonomy, independence, and connection. And there's some paradoxes there, right? You want to be independent, but you also need to feel connected. And so that's a really tricky thing for parents to navigate, but so important.
0: I think it's hard to not take things personal when it's like, well, I personally feel mad that you're acting like this and yes. stop. But yeah, I mean, I think just thinking about like, that is just developmentally where teenagers are at, like probably even in early human development or the yes. 1600s yes. or whatever. It was right? Like yeah.
1: Totally. And it's so important. There's a reason for that. You know, it's because, eventually our teenagers will leave our house and be adults and they're practicing that independence for the real world. And so when, if we react with anger or defensiveness or hurt feelings all the time, and look, we can have hurt feelings sometimes. I don't want to suggest parents are like robots, but we have to also say, Ooh, you know, calling me that name does not feel good. Um, so let's get to that in a minute, but like, I would like to talk about what's the bigger issue here and let's see, is there something you need my help with? And our job again, is to mentor and to model that, um, emotion regulation so that when we react, it's not because again, our kids do what we do. So if we flip our lids and yell at them, why are we surprised that they yell back? I mean, that's exactly what's going to happen. It's very predictable.
0: Yeah, no, just taking a second to pause and like take a breath and then Think of the heart of the issue is so important. Um, Yes. Going back to Roblox, um, it is just like the internet can be a scary place sometimes, too. Or you think about like the dark web, or there's just millions of scammers there just out to get you. And um, it's like the internet has brought everyone together and connected everybody. But it's like sometimes it's like, well, I'd rather not be connected to. A lot of these people. And (laughs)
1: yes. (laughs) And then
0: as a parent, you think like, okay, giving my child a phone keeps them safe.
1: Mm. But it's
0: like maybe it's not keeping them safe too. You know, you know what I'm saying?
1: Absolutely. I'm so glad you brought this up because one of the things I talk a lot about is this idea of what's scary versus what's dangerous. And you know, you're right, like as adults, we're guilty of getting news 24 hours a day, seven days a week, because that's the news cycle now. And of course. The clickbait headlines are the sensational, scary, really dark, horrible things, because that gets us to look at that app or that website longer, which is, again, how this machine works. And so that increases our parental anxiety about the world. And, you know, yeah, there are scary things in the world. I am a parent, too. I worry about things like but. Statistically, it's actually a lot safer in the world in many ways for our children than it was even 20, 30, 50 years ago. And so when parents turn to the device as a way of, quote, keeping kids safe, I actually make the argument that we're not making them safer by giving them phones. We're actually exposing them to a much bigger, scarier world that lives on the internet. So it's not a matter of if they see pornography, violence, bullying, eating disorder content, porn. It is when they will see it. And so if you're not ready to have those conversations as a parent, they're not ready for the device. And so we have to get to a point where if we're giving the device, we're giving the iPad, we're letting have access to the internet, that has to be a daily conversation. It could be one sentence. Hey, you know, the internet's got stuff that's not for kids on it. Remember, when you see something that makes you uncomfortable, please come and tell me and we'll figure it out together what we don't want is to drive kids underground. We don't want them to think that if they see something, they can't tell us because they'll get in trouble. Mm. That's when it really becomes dangerous, right? That's when predators and grooming and all of this scary, scary stuff that kids are getting involved in becomes dangerous.
0: It's like if you can just approach your kids from a non-judgmental place and it's safe to come to me like no matter what it is and then Yeah, maybe a few years before the phone, because I think like a tablet, if they're in the room with you or in the house, but if you have the phone all the time, that's different.
1: Yeah, and I always talk about like, think of it as like a greater than less than sign, you know, so okay, you know, a phone in the living room with family around is better than a phone in the bedroom. Um, A tablet in the living room is better than a tablet in the bedroom. Or Watching YouTube on a big TV where other people are around is better than watching YouTube on a phone, is better than watching YouTube alone, right? Like, so you kind of just make this uh, scaffold of degrees, right? Like, even little choices within how we use the screens can help protect children. And, you know, if it's visible, if parents are around and in the room and they can talk about what's happening and what's being seen, then we can also teach. We can say, oh, whoa, that video is not for children. Or, whoa, I'm uncomfortable with the language that these two people are using about each other. Like, can we talk about this for a second? That feels out of alignment with our family's values.
0: Mm. What about schools then? Because it seems like they're <laughs> almost going counter to what you're saying. Or I think when I was a kid, we had all these textbooks and they're heavy and and you pulled out your textbook. Now yes. it's like, Every kid has a computer. I'm sure you have opinions about that.
1: Very strong opinions. Well, I'm a former classroom teacher, so I really was in the classroom when the shift was happening. You know, We had very little tech to, by the time I left the classroom, you know, especially teachers were being required to do grading and posting assignments. And I didn't like it because what I saw as a teacher was, rather than come to me to talk about their assignments or why did I get this grade on this quiz, they'd just go to the computer. So it completely bypassed what I thought was a very important skill, which was encouraging a kid to come and ask a question and have a conversation with a teacher. And, you know, yeah, I think sadly, schools are going the opposite direction. And what we're seeing is an increased use of technology in the classroom for teaching and learning. And I always say I'm not anti-tech. I'm tech intentional. I think there is a time and a place. I think it's a great tool. But, you know, the number of kids I know who have laptops for school and they don't know how to type is mind boggling. You don't give a kid a laptop to do schoolwork if they have never learned how to type, right? Like, there's some really important things that need to happen first. And then I would argue, too, that the ed tech platforms, you know, these technology companies who design, quote unquote, educational materials or curricula, um, they're profiting, too. You know, they're not actually that different from social media in the sense that they use the same techniques. They, you know, they're just contracting with schools rather than parents in that sense.
0: Are they tracking our every move like the apps do or doing all this data mining?
1: Absolutely. And that's a huge part of the activism I I do. And um, I co-founded the Student Data Privacy Project with some of my colleagues who are concerned about the fact that these platforms are scraping data about children without parental consent or knowledge. And, you know, a lot of times people are like, well, who cares what my kid did on his second grade math quiz? well, it's more than just numbers of scores. You know, they're, they know birth dates, they know family demographics, they know, um, you know, behavior records. And then there, you know, these are things that can come back and really hurt children later. You know, police departments have been shown to find out what data kids have, uh, like behavior records from schools to profile kids in high school. We can think about many ways that that is abused, right? And that's problematic. I mean, I think that is the kind of harm that we aren't even fully aware
0: of. So you're saying like actual police departments in the past have somehow got connected to like the school's detention records or something?
1: Yeah. And, you know, again, it's like, who's making what data accessible to whom? Because the problem is like, it's coming, you know, these third data, third party companies are collecting it, the tech companies have it, and the schools claim, oh, well, we don't know what they collect. And the data... The tech companies are saying, well, the schools are supposed to know. And there's a federal law that, that mandates that schools are supposed to provide parents with this information. It's called FERPA, but it hasn't been meaningfully enforced. And, you know, this technology moves so quickly that by the time stuff comes out, you know, like we don't know how to rein it back in. And so it, that yeah, that's, I mean, there, there was, I, I'll I'll find the link about that article that I read about that, but that was, that's just one example, you know, we We had some parent volunteers do FERPA requests, which was to ask their kids' school about what data they collected during the pandemic. And one parent, you know, her school gave her videos. I mean, she had 2,000 files that were returned to her about her seven-year-old daughter, including videos of her daughter doing in her bedroom, like yoga poses for her PE class. Like, why does a tech company need to keep that data? And what are they going to do with it? You know, again, like these isolated things sound like weird, but maybe like, who cares? Every single child, that is true for every child who has ever used an ed tech platform. There are, there's massive quantities of data um, out there.
0: Yeah, <laughs> so, like, let's have some boundaries, please. Yeah. Yes,
1: absolutely. And again, that to me is the issue. You know, people will say, well, Google knows everything I do. Well, yeah, but I'm an adult and I knowingly signed up for Google and I checked that terms and conditions box, whether I read it or not, it's <laughs> Yeah, <different> <laughs> <issue>. <laughs> but I consented to it. Children aren't consenting. You know, that's really worrisome to me.
0: Well, that seems like some important activism to thank keep you. going so i'm wishing you good luck in those efforts um, <laughs> thank you thanks so much for being here today really interesting conversation thanks. an important topic uh yeah. thank you
1: thank you for having me i really appreciate talking with you
0: emily churkin the screen time consultant.com thank you for being here today with us thank you to family education and support services. I'm Bobby Williams. We'll see you next time. Peace.